This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to a breakfast podcast. Listen live every Saturday morning from 7 till 9 on Australia's only gay and lesbian community radio station, Joy 94.9. You're listening to Breakfast on Joy 94.9 and we're talking with Brisbane author Nick Earls about his latest novel, The True Story of Butterfish. You just heard one of the tracks, The Light That Guides You Home by Adele Pickvance. That will feature in the play. How are you doing, Nick? Good. Going well. You were bopping along. I was. Look, I love Adele's voice. I think she's. it's great to hear that. I'm glad I'm not tired of that song yet. Your books have had some really great success on the big screen, including 48 Shades, an Australian adaptation of the novel 48 Shades of Brown, and then... I'll get this wrong. Solo un padre. That's it. Solo un padre. <laughs> adapted nice. from the novel La Venture Semiserie de un Ragazzo Padre, <laughs> known in Australia as Perfect Skin. Yeah. Oh, very nice. I've the Italian translation. Yeah. Mm, good. Hey, congratulations on that. That was a top 10 box office hit last year in Italy. I know. Quite a surprise. You're never expecting that. Now, there's a novel set in two suburbs of Brisbane, pretty much, mm. and... It then came, after coming out here, it came out in the US and UK, then it came out in Italy, and by complete coincidence, one of the first people who read it was a big Italian film actor who decided that he wanted to play the lead. So he took it to a producer friend of his, and then my film agent in LA heard from them, and there was some American interest at the time. And, you know, I've had a a variety of people interested in my books over the years in film terms, and what I've learned is that mostly what I get out of it is a free lunch when I'm in their (laughs) town, and I'll take any free lunch. I'm not proud. Uh, but sometimes I'd like it if people actually signed on the dotted line and paid me a small sum of money Mm. and went on to make the film. That happens a lot less often than lunch, I've got to say. So when the Italian people started saying they were interested and the Americans who'd be going, oh, we're so going to make this this movie. Oh, I can just imagine it now. We've got Russell Crowe, which they didn't have, and, you know, all (laughs) that kind of thing. So they were really keen, but the Italians went, no, we're really keen. We want to give you money. And my agent, that Mm. works for agents, that line. So they went, if you're actually going to give him money, you get a crack at this. So I signed with the with the Italian company for quite a few years. I, I heard very little. Each year they'd pay the small option fee again. They worked on drafts. Just occasionally I'd see something online or Variety would write something in, in LA saying, here's how this is going in, in Italy. And I, I knew nothing about it. And they'd go, here's a product placement deal they've just signed with a pasta maker. <laughs> and I thought, there's no pasta in my novel, but that's yeah. okay. There's going to be pasta in their film, clearly. And so it just kept kept going. Little things mm. kept ticking over. And, and I kept thinking, maybe this might actually happen. Then suddenly one day we got the call saying, we're going into production in a couple of weeks and when can we actually pay you the the money we really owe you and off it went into production and it got picked up by Warner Brothers in Italy had some big actors in it and then yeah came out at the end of November and people went and people liked it and then I had Italian media contacting me to talk to me about the process and I just had to go process for me you know I just I wrote a novel once in Australia and occasionally I saw things online and out came this movie and by that stage you know all I'd seen was the trailer on YouTube and when I watched the trailer this 81 second trailer i think wow there are all these like hot italian people mm-hmm. who are incredibly fashionably dressed which just didn't really feel totally like my characters and they were running around in turin in in winter instead of brisbane in mm. summer and looking phenomenally stylish but then i'd have these really weird moments when when i there'd be this flash of something terribly familiar that was going on and i think wow i i thought i wrote something a bit like that 
And that's because this is based <laughs> on my novel. So I think they got a lot of things right. And a lot of people seem to really love the film. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, I watched, uh, I watched that trailer on YouTube this week. And I was completely sucked in by it. You know, yes. really like, oh, it looks beautiful. Yeah, and and, oh, how cute is that baby? And, and yeah. All that stuff. And then at the end I thought, oh, uh, perfect skin. Mm, I'm not sure. But then I don't really speak Italian, so I don't know what they were saying. No, and I don't either. <laughs> and I'm hoping that it might be out here for the Italian Film Festival later in the year. The festival's looking into that. Mm. And, and you know... The, that would be great. It would be good. And maybe that would mean that I'd actually get a subtitled version so I could work out a little bit more about what's going on. So you alluded to some of your other books that perhaps are going to be adapted and we've had that kind of, yes, they are, no, they aren't, yes, they are. Are there any coming... Nothing in the immediate future. So sure, there's a bunch of things that... The way it goes with this is... And I, th I really feel for film people. You know, what happens with this process is typically some creative person reads your novel. This is like the director or someone who wants to direct it or something like that or a creative producer and they read it. They get it. They get something about it and they think, I can see the film in this and they really want to make it. And then they, they devote unproductive years of their lives to trying to get the money together and the key people together. And what you need is, you know, if you get all your ducks in a row, you get a film. If one's out of place, you have absolutely nothing. <laughs> and that's the tough thing about being a filmmaker. Whereas if you're a novelist, you get to sit at home, write your entire novel and then and then hope for the best. So there are a number of them that are well down the track and are one small piece of luck away from being in production in a matter of months. Mm. But some of them have been that way for years. So it sort of makes sense for me to give my attention to the novels and in this case the novel and the play and hope that these hard-working film people get a lucky break one day. Now, you've been writing novels for more than 15 years, so tell me from your experience what's changed in your writing process in that time. I think I've learned a lot more about how I write, and I hope I'll keep doing that. I think every novel you write should stretch you in some way or another. The worst thing you want to feel, I, I think, is kind of bored or complacent in the middle of writing a novel because surely that's likely to come through so I wanted to find how I was going to write and find something that I hoped would connect with readers but each time I set out to write something I want to stretch myself a little and try something that feels a bit different and you know I've got to interest me for a good couple of years if I'm to hope to interest anyone for a few hours reading the book I think that's a fair deal mm. I think I've learned a lot more about how I shape a story and how I think about a story one of the key things I learned early on was how important small ideas ideas are. I used to think before I started that to write a novel, a novel-sized idea kind of had to fall from the sky and land in your head and off you'd go. Now I know it's not like that for me and it's not like that for most people. If you observe small things, value small things, write them down, they start to cluster together and you start to think, why are these clustering together? Who might this be about? What character can these things apply to? And if you start asking those questions, which are very simple, not genius questions, you start playing around with that stuff. You get a sense of the people you might write about. You test out little different ideas before you write long before you write mm. so I do a lot of thinking before I write and I've learned that I get to know my characters I work out the shape of my story I move the bits around physically on my floor until I think I've got them in an order and then that gives me the thing that I sit down and write and that's a process that works for me but it took quite a few novels to work out that that was how I was going to be a writer some people do it very differently and it's important mm. to say that I remember early on when I was writing things that weren't working out so well and I heard Elizabeth Jolly do a radio interview and she said if I knew where the novel was going to end, I'd never want to write it. And I thought, oh no, I have to know the ending. 
So obviously I'm never going to be a novelist. Uh, and it turns out she's in the minority, mm. but she's not alone. But, you know, the end is a thing I'm aiming at. And yeah. I'm thinking, how do I move this story in the most interesting way possible to end up at that point? So I need to know that. But I think each writer needs to learn those things for themselves. And it's kind of nice that you can spend a while playing around with this stuff and getting to know who you are as a writer and then hopefully picking up more skills as you go. You're listening to Breakfast on Joy 94.9. And this morning we're talking to author Nick Earls. The go-betweens have had a massive impact on Nick and his writing, including the title of one of his first novels. So here's the go-betweens now with Bachelor Kisses. Thanks for listening to a Breakfast podcast. Tune in live every Saturday morning from 7 till 9 on Joy 94.9. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.